Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, the episode kicks off with an up and with a great opening scene this week. It's actually really, really well paced. It's well plotted. We looked at it last week with that preview scene that came out in the ready room in CBS. And it's when the Viridian is seemingly chasing and trying to destroy the Discovery. Now, obviously, we know that the Orions have taken over the Discovery, the Emerald Chain, I should say. It's just hard to forget those lovely Orions, considering they're the same colour as what I'm standing in front of. They're flying toward Federation HQ and you cut to Vance and Willa discussing, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to let them in? Are we going to not let them in? Because from their point of view, they see one of their own ships, you know, kind of in need of help. Seems like an idea would be to potentially launch a ship or two. Oh my, put a pin in that. We're coming back to that one. What they do decide to do in the end is that they're going to let Discovery in. All right, they decide to go weapons hot initially, but as Osira on the Bridge of Discovery rightly reckons, they're not going to abandon one of their own. This is potentially one of the first times we've seen, yeah, actually, okay, hang on. We are dealing with Starfleet here. We are dealing with, you know, we're not going to leave one of our own in trouble because this season has been a little bit all over the place in how they've depicted the Federation. Remember that pin we did a second ago? Hang on to that pin. It's tied in with that one. What we do cut back to is Zooming through subspace, you've got Book and Burnham on Book's wonderful little morphing ship. And it's cool for two reasons. One, it's a morphing ship. That's deadly. But also for another reason is that we finally get to see the subspace that had been destroyed by the Gorn. Now, we heard about this all the way back in episode one, when Book tells Burnham about the Gorn. They did their experiments. They blew up subspace. Well, here's what it actually means. It's not as much that they've blown it up. It still exists. It's just full of debris. There's a Wanderer-class starship, parts of it anyway, floating right in front of them. It is dangerous trying to get through this. For the first time this season, we kind of get an answer to, well, okay, right, warp drive is out. Why not use slipstream? We get an answer to that. It might have come too late, but it's all, it contributes to a very, very, very strong opening scene. They come out of subspace. They can't hail Federation HQ because communications are being blocked by the Viridian. Yep, they decide to zoom right up the arse of Discovery, straight into their shuttle bay. It's a bloody good scene. It's properly tense and it really sets the tone for the episode that follows. That whole opening scene, that is one fantastic up from me this week. Once the credits pass and we see the lovely Jonathan Frakes is directing again, 
Okay, the reason I have a beard is because of it. Anyway, we then kind of, the action rolls back just a little bit because Vance kind of twigs a little bit of what's going on, okay? And also, they get hailed by Osira. So, it kind of flips the script a little bit. So, initially you're thinking, oh, hang on, right, they've wrong-footed us. What is this gonna be? What, what, what's the story here? What's Osira's plan? Vance lets me down a little bit here. Okay, this is gonna be a down, but bear with me, right? So, they talk, they agree, Osira's gonna come into Federation HQ, and does it feel a bit forced to anyone else when Vance is standing there going, yeah, the Federation president said, it's fine, you look after this. Now, as the CNC of Starfleet, don't get me wrong, I totally understand the idea of the military taking point on this one, although they should have a negotiator, but okay. But it's, it's the way that it's handled. It's the way that he brings it up. It's, you know, oh, the Federation president said I could do this. All right, then. That's a bit weird, but fair enough. But it, it, it was enough to get it down out of me because it just felt like it was, why, why hang a lampshade on that? You could be just fine by just having, look, it's gonna be Vance, it's gonna be Osira, it's grand, don't do any nonsense about that. Unless something's gonna come out of that. So that is one of my famous downs with an asterisk, all right? I didn't like it in the context of the episode. I may revise that as we go along. We'll come back to that one, all right? We'll come back to it. Having said what I've just said, I really enjoyed the interplay between Vance and Osira in this episode. Odette Fair and Janet Kidder really, really seemed to gel off each other very, very well. I was, for a very short time, I was reminded strongly of the Star Wars prequels. It's like, oh look, trade negotiations. Oh, that's fun. But it actually, this whole thing gives the Emerald Chain a bit of depth sort of up until maybe the end of the last episode, but definitely this episode, the Emerald Chain were, <laughs> the baddies. <laughs> what was their reason for anything really? Here, they seem to be approaching the Federation to become the Federation. This whole scene gets an up from me. I really, really like the way that they speak to each other and Look, it's possible, it's all an act, and certain actions later in the episode do support that idea, but technically we've got an electronic lie detector, a hologram called Eli. I'm sorry, I like the simple things. I like them, it's fun. She seems to be telling the truth, and if we take her at prosthetic face value, that's kind of interesting. It gives them something else. He addresses the questions of slavery, he addresses the questions of what they did to Quajon. He addresses the questions of the labor markets. You know, there's no sort of light footing around this. You know, he talks to her straight and she talks to him straight. She owns everything that he says. She does, however, say that she herself is against slavery and she passes Eli's test. So okay, so maybe there's more to Osira because what do we really know about Osira up to this point? Well, we know that she has a fearsome reputation. We know that she is sort of an ends to a means kind of person. We know that 
stealing another ship is par for the course. Who, who really cares? When it's the spore drive that really interests her and absolutely fair enough as, a, not a method, that's the wrong word, but as a drive, huh, spore drive, drive, as a reason for doing this, it actually makes complete sense. The spore drive would revolutionize travel, never mind the fact that it would then replace dilithium as fuel, it would replace warp drive as a method of travel. It would also allow the galaxy to become a much smaller place, which of course Discovery can nip from Alpha, Beta, Delta, wherever they want to really, which is cool and something we, we hope that as the show goes on they will show more of when you have time to show more of these things. But if every ship could do that, well, you could have, I don't know, open trade routes between Navarre and the Kazon. You could have, you know, the Talaxians could interact with the Bajorans. You know, this is something that we would like to see. It would sort of bring Star Trek full circle a little bit. So that totally okay as a drive. Again, understandably, Vance is not massively on board with the idea of the Emerald Chain having this technology because of the obvious security risks that it poses. They can jump in anywhere. You know, if they want to, they can jump into Federation HQ or, you know, restricted sections. So yes, this is an understandable butting of heads, but it's actually a conversation. It's not mustache twirlingly evil people going bah. Vance does manage to get one of the lines of the episode. Um, oh, it's sort of cringe even to think about it, but Osiris talking about how good an apple tastes. And Vance says, yeah, you, you know it's made of our shit, right? That's, that's what we, we process our into. And the look on Janet Kidder's face as she takes that out of her mouth, Really, really good. I got I got a proper belly laugh from that one. So yeah, pretty much everything that happens in that room up to and including the point where he says he would be well on board with the Emerald Chain and the Federation, you know, having some sort of alliance, having an understanding, maybe coming together, as long as Osira agrees to stand trial for what she's done. That was good storytelling. That was a good character arc there. I'm on board with that. Everything about the scene for me, up. Janet Kidder, right? So when she was first introduced as a sort of a mean face on the screen before obviously getting a little bit fleshed out in the sanctuary and a little bit fleshed out last week was, you know, she was aloof. She wasn't there. She was the threat that was off screen, kinda. So you didn't really get anything to play with, really, you know? There was no understanding. She was just a baddie. This episode kind of turns that around. The writing is good, but also Janet Kidder herself is getting it up from me this week because she manages to show nuance in her character. Yes, she does some bad things. One, she takes over Discovery. Okay, bold, it's not yours, give it back. Then. She manages to get into Federation HQ. You know what? Fair play. Then she agrees to sit down and talk, which is like, okay, wasn't expecting that. You know, we were expecting her to maybe go in and, you know, beam a torpedo into Federation, you know, chambers or something, but she doesn't do that. So when she's interacting with Aurelio and you see a genuine tenderness there, 
And when she then later does something that I'll discuss in a few minutes and I'm still not okay about it, you know, you're almost getting whiplash a little bit going, hang on, hang on. She is portraying a leader who is in, you know, in quite a desperate situation. Yes, the Emerald Chain seems to be doing okay for itself, but they're still very much on the back foot and will be as long as Discovery is the only ship with a spore drive. She's got a dog in this game. She needs to win. She needs to come out on top. Now, does she have an ego? Absolutely, she does. Hence, when Vance puts her up and says, listen, you got to stand trial for your crimes here. She's like, yeah, solid pass. But she's hardly the only character in history to have ever reacted that way. And she comes from that conversation to her very, very bold act, you know? So I think Janet Kidder absolutely nails it this week. Now, it looks like we're going to get plenty more of her next week, so fingers crossed that she continues to just deliver what she has been delivering. Um, yeah, really, really solid guest star. Really enjoyed her this week. You know, she gave Osira a reason for being, so as I said, massive up there. I said last week how much I was looking forward to having Kenneth Mitchell in this episode, and I am so happy to say that I was not disappointed by that. Kenneth Mitchell gets an absolute up from me this week. First of all, totally great to see him, as in actually see him. Before we saw him in heavy prosthetics, he was Cole, he was Cole Shah, and he was ten Tenovic. Thank you, Paul, for that. And now we get to see him with a lovely beard, if I do say so myself. And his interaction with Stamets is, it's really, really interesting. Here is a scientist who is potentially inadvertently on the side of the devils, believing he's on the side of the angels. I mean, he was born into this, you know, so evil is a point of view. And I use evil very, very loosely there as a term, because again, it depends where you're standing. And he is standing, he sees the good that the Emerald Chain has brought to the galaxy as he sees it. And he tries to tell this to Stamets. Now Stamets obviously is really, really struggling with the idea that Culber is still back in the nebula. And every moment that they delay, Culber is getting sicker and sicker. And he does try to engage with Aurelio about family. He sees Aurelio has tattoos here which is a mark of, you know, one for each of your children in Orion society. Now, while it's never out and out stated who Aurelio is with, it's certainly implied that maybe Aurelio and Osira have a family together because he really struggles with the idea of the dark deeds that she's done. He plays it so well that he, he you can see that he's bothered, but he's not necessarily overcome by it. And again, that would be uh, a stand as to, you know, he grew up in this society. I'm sure anyone who grows up in a society where you really have to fight to stay alive, you sort of get to understand when, you know, Machiavellian tactics are called into play. So Kenneth Mitchell nails it for me this week. Uh, didn't like to see him getting shot. Bad Burnham, but no. But it was it was really, really good. And then when he's on the bridge later on as well, you can see his his genuine concern to Osiris' actions, but also she does say, you are free to stay and watch if you want to. I'd rather you didn't. But she's not hiding anything from him. We've seen in one episode way more depth to the Emerald Chain 
from Osira and from Aurelio than we have for the entire season. I mean, it's it's a wider breadth. It's really, really, really good. And also, if Kenneth Mitchell, if Aurelio is their top scientist, if he's the one who interacted with Discovery Systems, and if he's the one who threw up that lovely little emerald chain emblem, you know what, fair play. You've earned that one. I like that one a lot. Did everyone else enjoy Die Hard on Discovery this week? Because that's what this episode was. This is this is great. They managed to they managed to get away with, alright, and you can thank Chris for this one for spotting this one. They managed to get four Christmas episodes in December. We had two Christmas episodes which were terra firma, lots of snow everywhere, it was all lovely, and they were all wearing lovely decorations in their mirror universe stuff. Last week then we had a nice snowy landscape and it was all lovely, it was definitely winter, it was great, it was cool. This week we have Die Hard, which is a Christmas film, and you are free to comment like that you disagree with that, but um, you're wrong. But this was great, like obviously Burnham takes the McLean role here and she's crawling through Jeffrey's tubes and like, she does sell it. She has the, the fight with the soldier that I really enjoyed. I thought that was a really well choreographed fight. You know, she takes him down and he gets back up again. Like you would in a real fight. Now don't get me wrong, I enjoy the L palm punch that Riker always did that you could be standing across a room and still knock somebody out. Whereas this is like, oh no. Oh, oh, oh no, get a gun, please. Oh dear. Oh heavens. And anyway, she manages to get him in a leg lock to try and knock the guy out and in fairness to that guy's training, he gets a knife right in her thigh. If you're gonna hire some mercenaries, go to the Emerald Chain. Do you know what you don't go to? Sorry, tangent, but I wanted to say this for a while. You do not go to the Remans. My God, Star Trek Nemesis. The Remans, the most fearsome warriors ever. They were some of the most brutal campaigns during the Dominion War. Cool. Please. Picard with a badly aimed rifle took out half of them. This guy looks like he'd take out the rest of them. It was a cool scene in this one. Sorry for that rant there. And sorry to all the Reman lovers out there. And then you also have the bridge crew are badass in that ready room. First of all, I loved the tapping between Reese and Bryce. I love how it was itself a misnomer. It was a, it was a twist. Then you have Owosa Khan and Detmer just being badasses again. If you could share the captaincy, maybe give it to both of them. I'd be okay with that. Tilly also manages to show what kind of a badass she is as well when she's able to say, basically, those who fall behind, stay behind, which is a bit like, ooh, okay. We also get to see Book and Rin's last stand, which is a bit like, oh no, because this is gonna lead to some pretty bold stuff on Osiris' part. It was a proper gut punch when Rin got shot. I wasn't expecting that, it was a proper shock. And it's a shock because it's a death with weight behind it. You know, it's the same as if maybe Detmer had been killed. Not that I'm wishing anything bad on Detmer, we love Detmer. But that's the point, is that we like them. Season three has been very good for that, for actually making us care about the characters. A little bit better, well, a lot better than season one did, a little bit better than season two did. Season two, obviously you've got Pike and he is wonderful and can do no wrong. But Rin, we're gonna miss you, man. You were a great Andorian, and between yourself and Jeffrey Combs, you have made Blue cool again. Now, that's going to lead into my last point of the episode, and that's going to be a down, unfortunately. And that's, what is the logic behind sending Stamets away? You know, why, why would you not want to jump the ship away from Federation headquarters? If you know that's where the problem is, and if you know that the one thing you don't want is to have the Viridian on your doorstep, jump away! No, it's a lovely emotional scene and there's a great interplay between the two of them. So it's not the scene as a whole. It's just the logic behind the scene. That to me was a bit like, what? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.